Well, I look around today and I see a lot of orange. I see a lot of blue. And I know that today is a very big game. Maybe the last time possibly the two greatest quarterbacks in NFL history are going to score off one against the other. And we all know the reality that after today, one team is going home because their season is over and all the fans are going to pack up their gear and, and they're going to start looking forward to next season. There's always next season, right? It's the way life is. It's a series of patterns and cycles and seasons. And we've been in a study, if you've not been with us, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Today we're in in chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can flip to there. But it's written by a man, we believe, King Solomon, who was at one period of time the wealthiest, wisest, most influential man. He was king over the nation of Israel. And God had blessed him in some very uh, major ways, but Solomon didn't always act with wisdom. In fact, one of the ways he didn't act wisely was marrying 600 women and having 300 mistresses. And those women led him down a path to worship other gods. And over the course of time, this man who could have been immensely blessed for the rest of his life ended up in such despair. And so in his journal, in his book called Ecclesiastes, he chronicles the path that he walked down and how he explored life and, and, and pushed to the limits to try to find a, something to fill the happiness and the, the longing for meaning and purpose. And at the end of the day, he just shouted out, everything, everything is utterly meaningless. And if you read this book, it can be pretty depressing. Honestly, the book of Ecclesiastes is, is somewhat of a downer. But one of the phrases that comes up in this book repeatedly is this phrase of life under the sun. And what that means is that life under the sun is living it kind of, kind of from a human perspective. Everything that we can see, everything we can taste, touch, and experience, everything we can figure out with our own minds, this is how we're going to live. We're just going to try to make the most with what we have. The problem is you don't have enough. And the problem is we keep screwing up and going the wrong direction. And we end up unhappy, frustrated, disappointed. Isn't it ironic that we live in the richest country that's ever existed on planet Earth? And it's the most depressed people that's ever existed on planet Earth? See, we think we know what we need and we don't know. Because life wasn't meant to be lived under the sun. What Solomon does is leave this gap here that we find out later in the Bible that a man who is wiser than Solomon, a man named Jesus Christ, said, I will tell you the secrets to life. That life is to be lived in a relationship with me. Life is not to be lived under the sun. Life is to be lived in the sun, meaning in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not living in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are living life at a lower capacity than God intended it. Lower capacity of ability and power and happiness than God intended for you because, after all, think about it. If indeed this world was made by Jesus, that he's the one who put us on this planet, give us life and breath, if he designed us for this place, shouldn't we look to him to find out why we're here and where we're going and how everything works? Just makes logical sense. And so we want to expose that today as we go into this third chapter once again, that life is to be lived in the sun. But before you do that, you didn't know where you are right now. You need to know that this is a season of life that God has given to you. And in every season of life, God has a purpose. We're going to find that in the third chapter. There's a reason why you're here today. You may think you just chose to get up and come to church, but God may have very different plans for you today. For some of you, today will be a day that will change the rest of your life. That's my prayer, and I want you to pray with me that it would be so. 
But Father, we come before you in Jesus' name asking you to speak to us through your word. Would it come with power? Would it come with truth? Would you penetrate us deeply, Lord, to see beyond what we see and know and understand to what you see and know to be true? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, maybe the most popular chapter of Ecclesiastes because of a song sung by a group called The Birds, and the song was called Turn, Turn, Turn. Now I hear tambourine down here. They also sing Mr. Tambourine Man. Uh, And both those songs just, just refer to this emptiness in life, this cycle of life. And so it says here, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot. Time to kill and a time to heal. Time to tear down and a time to build. Time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. Time to keep and a time to throw away. Time to tear and a time to mend. Time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time for war. A time for peace. Talking about the times and seasons of life. You know, I, I like the changes of seasons. How many of you would say that winter is one of your favorite seasons? Some of you? Okay, quite a few of you. And I don't know what it is you like about winter. Maybe it's the shorter days. Maybe it's the, um, the warm, blazing fires. Maybe it's winter sports. Maybe it's hot chili and, and playoff football. I don't know what it is. But you, something about winter that you really like. How many of you really love spring? Now, spring is a great time. Uh, birds come back. The trees bud. You know, the, the days start to get longer, and we anticipate what's to come, so spring can be a very beautiful time. But I, I think probably the favorite of most would be summer, right? How many of you like summer? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Kids like summer, why? Because of vacation. And, and you can do a lot of stuff in summer. You can go outside, you can hike, you can, you can bike, you can, uh, you can go in the water, and, and all kinds of things you can do in the summertime. You can lay and get a tan, the days are long, uh, the nights are warm, and summer is just a beautiful time. But my favorite season of all, since I was a kid, was fall. And I love the fall. How many of you like fall? Wow, maybe that's a favorite. I don't know what it is about fall, because when I was a kid, I looked forward to those cool mornings and, and the warm afternoons. I, I like football, of course. I, I like going back to school to see my friends. That happened in the fall. My birthday typically marks the first day of autumn, September 22nd. So I like that the time of the year. And when my family, uh, when I was married and we were raising our kids in Arizona, one of the things I missed most was they didn't change seasons, really. It just went from, from yellow and brown to brown. And they went from warm to hot, and then back to warm again. And so, you know, Christmas Day, you wake up, and you go outside, (sighs) try to see your breath. You can't see it unless you got really bad breath. You just can't see it. And it just didn't feel like Christmas because you want to chill in the air. You want a little bit of snow on the ground, and you're dreaming of that white Christmas, and you you didn't get it. I, I love Arizona, but just I miss the seasons because God's given us seasons. And here's the truth you need to know. You need to enjoy the progression of the seasons of your life. Life is a series of, of seasons, of, of cycles, of stages. Now, Solomon gives a sample of some of them. He's not exhaustive by any means, and I'm not going to go through each one of them, but, for example, he, he does start off saying that there's a time to be born and a time to die. Very different seasons of life, accompanied by very different emotions in life. And even in between the seasons of, of having a birth in the family and then someone dying in the family, there's, there's early childhood and there's adolescence and there's young married life, and there's all these stages of life. Even marriage life has stages, newlyweds, and, and, uh, and you, you get older together, and you have your 25th anniversary, and then there's the golden anniversary, and, and different phases of, of marriage and parenting 
You know, when you have little children, it's very different than when you have elementary kids, and especially different when you have high school kids in the house. And so you go through all those different stages, and some of you are empty nesters now, and some of you are in those grandparenting years. And if you're so blessed, you get to be a great grandparent, or some, a great, great grandparent. I think they should just call them super grandparents, but it's called great, great, and then they just keep adding greats if you get to live even longer. But those are all different seasons and stages of life. Work has stages. You may be an apprentice, and then you, then you get to, uh, you know, be a leader, maybe even a shift um, person. You know, you're overseeing a group of people, and you rise up, and maybe someday you get to head up a company, or you start your own business. And there comes a time where you pass the business off to one of your kids or to an employee that you've trained up. Military has seasons. You know, there's boot camp. There's preparation for war. There's combat, engagement, and there's periods of peace. And so there's all these different seasons that you go through in your life. Life is a series and a cycle of seasons. And here's a lesson we need to learn, is that, that life is always changing because seasons are always coming and going. And if you like a season, you need to know this. There's going to become another season down the road, and you have to let go of that one and, 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 and grab a hold of this new season because seasons just kind of, they just come. You don't get to control the seasons. You just adjust your life to the seasons. And if you don't like a season, hold on because a new season's coming. If you don't like winter, that's okay. It's going to be over another month or so, and, and spring will be here. And, you know, we get through the seasons. You just need to know change is always coming. Sometimes it elicits pleasant feelings, sometimes painful feelings. Sometimes there's a time to mourn. Sometimes uh, there's a season of rejoicing. There'll be a lot of that this afternoon, both on both ends. There'll be mourning, there'll be rejoicing. You know, those seasons come. That's just the way life is. It, you don't always get to live on the mountaintop. Sometimes you live in the valley. But it makes the mountaintop so much more beautiful after you've spent some time in the valley. The joys are so much greater when you've spent some time agonizing. When you go through training, like you're in college and you're grinding through hours and hours of classwork and you're working an evening job and you feel like, man, this is, couldn't be any harder, but you know that was an essential phase of your life to get you to where you are now. There are periods of life that are just essential for our development. There's a reason for winter. It does something good in our lives. Each season requires a different approach. He says sometimes you need to speak up. For some of you, that's hard to do. Because you don't want to stir up conflict. You don't want to raise up a negative concern. And so for you, it's really hard to speak up. And, but there's also times, he says, that you need to be quiet. For those of you who love to talk, there's times you need to be wise enough to say, you know what, this is not one of those times. I need to just listen. That's okay. There's a different approach. He, he says sometimes there's a time to love and a time to hate. You go, whoa, pastor, whoa. Whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean? Isn't God all about love? Doesn't God want us to love? Isn't, isn't Jesus commanded us to love one another? Of course, we're to love. But there is a time to hate. God hates deceitfulness. He hates rebellion. He hates injustice. And Jesus even told us to hate anything that would come between you and God. And so there is a time to love and a time to hate, and it requires us to have a different approach. And you don't get to pick what season you're in all the time. In fact, I'd say rarely do you get to pick. You may get to pick your wedding day. You may get to choose, you know, when to have kids or when to start a new job, move into a new house and all that. I understand that. But most of the seasons of life are thrust upon us. We find ourselves just moving into that phase, and we find ourselves in the season. And there's one of two approaches that can get us 
hung up so that we don't enjoy it. First, we can get trapped in the season of the past. We can get trapped saying, you know, I really love that phase of my life. I really love back when we were there. I love that place in my life where I had that season. You may like that, but it can keep you from enjoying the present. Enjoy the memories. Hold on to that. But you're going to miss what God has in store. If, if my wife and I, and we moved to Colorado, and we moved at a time in our life, and we loved Arizona, we loved our church, we loved our friends, our kids cried when we moved. If we hadn't done that, we would have missed Colorado. You know, if I would have been born and raised here, I know for a fact I'd be a diehard Broncos fan. Because this would be my place. We love Colorado. It's a beautiful place to live. But you know what? God may have something else in store in the future. And we don't want to just hold on to where we are even right now. See, there's another issue that some of us struggle with, and that is, is we don't enjoy the present because we're so focused on the future. We, we look ahead to when we get that job, when we get married, when we have that baby, when we get that new home, then I can really enjoy life. And the problem is you have destination disease. It's always out there. It's always greener in someone else's yard. I've always got to look ahead, and I can't really enjoy the present. I'm all for optimism. I'm all for hoping for the best in the future. I love that. But don't get so caught up in the future and what's to come that you can't even enjoy the present. Someone once said, the reason today is called the present is because it's a gift. So enjoy it. Enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy the progression of seasons. Now, Solomon goes on, and we're to continue in this. He says in verse 9, What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so people will fear him. He tells us that there's beauty in every season, but know that the best is yet to come. He's made everything beautiful in his time. The season you are in right now, there is something beautiful within it that God sees. You might not see it, but he's at work. We can't see the big picture. We don't know what God's done from beginning to end, he says. We are like the little ant on the painting of Mona Lisa. We're looking down and all we see is a color here and a color there. A stroke here and a stroke there. But God sees the whole portrait. God sees the whole masterpiece of your life. My mother used to love to crochet. She'd watch sports games and news programs and she'd just sit in her recliner and she'd be knitting like this, just going back. To me, it looked like meaningless strokes. Back and forth, repetitive motions. But, you know, after a few hours, there'd be a pair of mittens sitting on her lap (laughs) or a scarf or an afghan. I thought, how'd you just do that? Just going like this. Well, she knew what she was knitting. I didn't see it. I couldn't even tell what she, when she shifted a stroke or did something a little different, but she knew that all along what she was making. God is making something beautiful of your life. You may not see it. You may not agree with it, but in the midst of the season you're in right now, it is a piece of the portrait of what he's doing. God makes everything beautiful. In its time, you may not see it now, but in time, you will. Now, Solomon is limited in his, his perspective, and so he just sees life as it is on earth and says, here's the best thing you can do and enjoy your work, enjoy your life. It's a gift. And, and there's truth to that. When you go home and open your refrigerator and have the opportunity to 
bring food out, make a meal, that's a gift. When you wake up tomorrow morning and you get to go to school or, or go to your job, say thank you, God, for this gift you've given me. When you hear those babies crying or those kids fighting, step back and say, God, thank you for giving me children. Because they are a gift. And we need to thank God for the gifts that he's given us. But over history, we've found that Christians will approach these seasons of life differently than unbelievers because of their relationship with Christ. And so when, when Christians go through difficult seasons of life, whether it be a physical issue they're dealing with or persecution from the outside, we find Christians worshiping God, singing praise to him. When they're being mistreated, they pray to God for their enemies. They respond to the circumstances and the seasons of life differently because of their relationship with Jesus. So you're in a season right now, and you may be asking, God, why am I going through this? Why am I waiting for this new job? Or why are we waiting to have a child? Or why am I waiting so long for this answer? How long is this going to go on, Lord? It's been so painful. God's at work. You may need to ask him, God, show me. Show me what you're doing. Show me what you're trying to accomplish in my life that's beautiful. God is doing something. And yet in the midst of all this, there's a longing for completion. There's a longing for perfection. See, Solomon says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. In other words, it's kind of like that God-shaped void I talked about the last few weeks that within each of us is this empty spot that we all try to fill with laughter and alcohol and accomplishments and, and all kinds of other things and it never fully satisfies because it's an eternal hole that only an eternal being can fill. It's a God-shaped void that only God can fill and he's given us this longing and so we long for something bigger and something better. We long for a legacy. We, we want to believe that there is something beyond this physical life we live. Now I know humanists will say that, that you're just a collection of cells that have mutated over the course of time by the forces of nature and when you die, you'll stop thinking and you'll stop being and you'll cease to exist. In other words, don't fear death because when you're dead, you'll never think about it again. You'll never worry. You'll never fear because you'll just be gone. You'll be erased from life. And you know what? I have never, ever heard anybody comfort a grieving person at a funeral with those words. I've never heard someone go up to a grieving person and say, don't worry about your loved one. They're gone. They're just gone. No, you won't see them again, but that's okay because they're just gone. Let's be happy. No, because deep within, there's this longing for eternity. You can go all over the world to tribes hidden in the deepest jungles of Africa, and they are searching for something beyond the visible, something beyond the earthly, something that's eternal. Now, they're looking in wrong places, but they're longing because God has put within the human heart this longing for the eternal. That's why most Americans believe in life after death. In fact, two-thirds of Americans believe that when they die, they go to a place called heaven. There are also people who believe in another place, that after death, some go to a place called hell. <laughs> Only 1% believe they're going there. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work out quite that way. Other people just say, you know what, I believe there's a place, I just know where it is, what it is, I just don't know, and I don't even know if I'm going there, but I, I'm, I'm hoping so, crossing my fingers, hoping so. There's others who believe in this thing called reincarnation, which really is the recycling of the human body. You die... Your life has been a test. If you pass the test, you get to come back as a better creature. So, so maybe you'll come back and you'll have a, a, a better status, better life, better body. But if you mess up, look out. You could come back as a cockroach. 
an anteater, or an Oakland Raiders fan. Who knows? You could come back and suffer and suffer in this life because of what you did. Just kidding. Mark, I told you. Okay. So we long for something. We long for something that, that really brings completion to this eternal longing within us. And the Bible calls this place heaven. Paul talks about it in the book of Philippians. He says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. He says there's a place, there's a time, a season called heaven that's eternal, it's everlasting, and things will be different there. Your lowly body that's going through all these phases of aging and decay will be remade. It'll be glorious like Jesus' eternal body. See, one of the things you'll notice about heaven is its consistency and its perfection. You don't experience the seasons in heaven, it appears. Not like we do quite on earth. We won't be fighting aging. Some, some other things we won't be fighting against. L- look at, at Revelation chapter 21, this description of heaven. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Do you know there's a time coming when the seasons of weeping will be over, when the seasons of pain will be over, when when the seasons of watching death will be over? That there is a season that I, I don't even know if it's right to call it a season because it never ends. Season of beauty and perfection called heaven. That all of these little seasons, these stages of life, lead up to this big, eternal, perfect season called heaven? That's what he's saying. This longing will be fulfilled in that time and in that place. And Solomon didn't know much about it. He just knew there was a longing for it. So not until Jesus comes along and, and Jesus says, you know, I'm leaving, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going to add one for you. It's a place called heaven. It's a place that we believe truly exists. And if you truly believe in Jesus, then you look at this life totally different. You look at this life as pre-season. Our lives here are just a blip on the screen. In fact, if we look at James chapter 4, verse 14, James says it this way. Why you, uh, he says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This whole life that we think is a long time is really just a blip on the radar screen of eternity. Eternity is so much longer. And if you only live for the blip on the screen, you'll miss the bigger life. If you only live for pregame, you'll miss the big game. Pregame's only, what, three games? Preseason, three games? 16 games for the regular season. Our lives are just small compared to what awaits us in eternity. But let's finish what, what Solomon says, because there's another critical piece to the story you need to know about. He says, whatever is has already been, what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. And I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. 
Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from the dust, and to the dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth? He's sharing with us his limited perspective. But here's what he knows, that there's something that lies between our earthly seasons and eternal life, and that is called the judgment. We need to be prepared for what lies between. Be prepared for the judgment. He says that when he looks at the courts, he says they're just so corrupt, there's wickedness in the courts. And yet something within us longs for justice. It is like the longing for eternity. We long to see things made right. And there is coming a time of justice called the judgment. In fact, many writers in the Bible talk about this. Paul says in Romans 14.10, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. In Hebrews 9.27, People are destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. We want to see things made right. We want the happy closure to the story. And that's why when someone who cheats the system like Lance Armstrong and has the medals taken away, there's something in us that says, okay, that's what's right. When we see Bernie Madoff go into prison for scamming uh, people for millions of dollars, we feel inside like that's justice. When, when O.J. finally goes to jail, we say, now that's what should have been coming. We, we want justice. We long for justice. We want to see the wrongs made right, except in our life. How do I know that? Last time you got pulled over for speeding, did you say, officer, you're darn right I was speeding. I need to be punished for that. Give me, give me the biggest ticket you can. Teach me never to do it again. <laughs> did you ever do that? No, we come up with excuses. You know, I was just doing this and I was doing that. And, I was, and please, officer, let me off the hook this time and I'll be a good boy, a good girl. And, you know, we want, we want justice for everybody else, for all the terrorists and, and the child abusers and the, and the scam artists and all that. Give, give them justice, but give me mercy. It doesn't work that way. Because we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our works will be examined. And I'm telling you this, not one of us will stand clean on that day. Not one of us will stand with our chest puffed up saying, but I'm one of the good ones. I'm one of the perfect, righteous ones. All of us are going to have revealed to us the shame, the guilt, the disobedience, the failures in our lives. Unless you choose to take another option. See, Solomon cried out that he didn't know what was to come. He didn't know what was ahead. Who could see beyond? Who could see what was ahead? In fact, the last verse says this. So I saw there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Who can? Who can show them what's beyond the grave? Who can take them to a place that's, that's better, that's eternal? I know who can. Jesus can. Because here's what Jesus said. John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. That's amazing. You don't have to build your own bridge. He says, I did it. If you believe in me, that God sent me, that I died on that cross. See, here's how Jesus was able to build that bridge. He says, I will come and live a perfect life, and I will take the rap for your sins. I will be treated for your injustices so you could receive mercy from my Father. He says, if you believe in me, which is another word for me, if you trust in what I did for you, if you entrust your life to me, here's what will happen. 
When that day of judgment comes, you'll, you'll have a free pass. You'll cross over from death to life. And you will not be judged. See, so many of us go through life hoping, wondering if we'll, where we'll go when we die. And who knows really what's going to happen. And Jesus says, I made it pretty clear. I not only made it clear what's going to happen, I told you how to make sure you're going to be in the good place when it does happen. And I, I just can't understand why some people come to church week after week and year after year and keep saying, well, God, you know, I'm going to keep God at a distance because, you know, I, God's a nice guy and I think I'm going to be okay. I just think I'm going to be okay because God's love after all, right? And somehow you believe that you'll get, on the, get in on the coattails of somebody else. And somehow I'm going to get into heaven by just the rush of people going out the doors together into heaven and God's going to grab you by the collar and pull you back and say, wait a minute, what about you? What about you? Have you ever accepted me Surrendered yourself to me. Believed what I've done for you. Confessed me publicly as your Savior and Lord because if you haven't, you're not one of them. My wife and I had the privilege to fulfill a dream a few weeks ago. We went to Hawaii. And we'd saved up frequent flyer miles and finally said, you know what, we got our flights paid for, let's go, let's go do this. We've always wanted to see this place that you know, came up out of the ground, who knows, eons of times ago. And uh, it just amazed me, like, how did this place get seeds and trees and plants and animals? Oh, where'd they come from? How'd they get transported there and through the wind and through nature and God's providence? It's just a gorgeous place. And we land the plane in Hawaii and I look around this awe, the beauty, the spectacular green mountains there in Kauai. And, and I thought, man, what, what a beautiful place. And God made this earth, it says, in six days and and Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he's been in heaven almost 2,000 years. If he did this in six days, what's heaven going to look like? If this is a sample, a foretaste of heaven on earth, if the God who made the Rocky Mountains can do this on earth, what has he done in heaven? What's it going to be like? What's going to be, how amazing will it be? I don't want to miss out on that. You don't either. And the seasons of life will come and go. And in the midst of all the seasons of your life, will come opportunities. And in the midst of opportunities, some opportunities will open for a period of time and then they'll close and they'll be gone forever. But in the midst of those open windows, those opportunities, which you can't control usually, there is something you can control. Your choice. How you're going to respond. So you know what season it is? The Bible says, now is the time. Now is the exceptional, acceptable day of your salvation. Some of you are here today because you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You need to bow your knee in humility saying, God, I am not worthy. God, I have sinned. I have failed. I've treated people. I've treated life unjustly. I deserve to be punished, but thank you that Jesus died on that cross for me. And I surrender my life to him. I want to live my life for him. I want him to be my Savior, Lord. I want him to make every season of this life as beautiful as it can be because I'm looking forward to that life with him forever in heaven.